you're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Podcast Division. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Herleman, and joining me today, we have my daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. And from our Southern Cali Jedi Enclave, we have Jedi Master Baron Lawton and his Padawan Pharaoh. It's good to be back. Hello, everyone. Yeah, it is good to be back. It's a good, it's a good episode. I was so excited. I've been waiting for this one for a while now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this one. Speaking of, Tay, what do we got? Trials of the Darksaber is a 15th episode of the animated television series Star Wars Rebels, third season. It aired January 21st, 2017 on Disney XD. Again, we have a different description from the TV guide, and this one reads, To help recruit her people to join the Rebels, Sabine reluctantly agrees to learn to wield an ancient Mandalorian weapon, but finds the challenge more difficult than expected. Two different descriptions, but... Both were kind of interesting if you read both. They both mentioned a Darksaber, or a weapon at least, right? Yes. Or as Cable has it, Sabine begins training with ancient Darksaber, but in doing so, she must also face her past. Bum, bum, bum. Indeed, the rundown for this episode is the time has come for Sabine to master using the Darksaber in combat so she can use it as a symbol to rally the people, her people, that is, the Mandalorian people, to the side of the rebels. I mean, it sounds simple. It sounds sweet. But this episode brings the emotion. Padawans, when was the last time that we saw this Darksaber? Do you remember? Um, a yeah. while ago. I remember Kanan holding like a dark, like, like triangle. So Padawans, the last time we saw this Darksaber, it was on Dathomir. And we had defeated Darth Maul. We had gotten the Sith Holocron. We picked up the Darksaber. Each week we ask the Padawans a significant question, and this week it is, <laughs> what is significant about the Darksaber? The Darksaber means a lot to the Mandalorians, and it shows that throughout this episode, the Bean's mother was just all like, did you fight Darth Maul for it? And then it's not yours, and the Darksaber means a lot to them, yeah. A lot of tradition. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> To me, I, I don't know. I, I know it means a lot to Sabine because as she was training with Kanan, you heard a lot about her backstory. Like she was making weapons for the Empire who just ended up killing her family and, and she was devastated about it and that thing just brought back bad memories and she was forced to use it and she's forced to train with it. I think it's just more of a memory box than anything. <laughs> oh, a memory box. I like the way you put it. Now, there's an actual EU element to this. When you look at the hilt of the Darksaber, what you're seeing is the actual hilt of what is called a vibroblade. If you've played the KOTOR games, you probably recognize what vibroblades are Ow. because they use those as the swords in that game. Lucas, though, did not like the idea of a solid metal type sword being able to block 
lightsabers. And then people said, well, what about those vibrances that you gave the bodyguards to Grievous? Well, he actually said he felt like that was a mistake. He should have never done that. When they were doing the Darksaber, they were originally making it one of those vibroblades. And he was like, no, 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 we're not going to do this. So they retooled it and basically made it a different version of a lightsaber. And if you'll notice when you're listening to it, the sounds and stuff that it makes, the color and stuff, it's all very unique because it's supposed to be very similar to a lightsaber and yet at the same time something unique, something that is not quite a lightsaber. So a lot of that, the trappings of that is actually the Old Republic from Legends vibroblade. The other cool thing about it too is that it does have a lot of symbology because we, as we learned in this episode, there was Mandalorian Knight at one point and this was his lightsaber. Now it's really cool too because Legends has a few examples of Mandalorian Knights. In the KOTOR game, there were Mandalorian Knights that were led by a guy named Case who was basically doing what Revan was doing, only he went and sided with the Mandalorians unlike what Revan was doing at the time. Later in the Republic era, we have a Jedi named Baradan Jusk who ends up leaving the Republic because of what's going on during the Clone Wars and he also joins with the Mandalorians. Another really fun character that were examples from Legends. So to see this moment for Sabine, you know, for me, this is when Sabine gets her backpack for Baron. Like, that's how I was. I was so excited to see her get to do the training with Ezra and Kanan and to see Ezra and her kind of become peers in a, in a way that they've never been able to before. I mean, this is the first time she's able to look at Ezra and she takes Ezra very seriously, even though she's still like, you know, I'm going to pop you one. Like she has, some, there was some great dialogue between, oh, I'm going to learn how to use this and I'm going to use it on you. Like there was some great moments like that, but man, her getting that saber and getting to use that in the symbology that was brought forward into this episode, that was a backflip moment for me, almost as much so as the emotional impact that we get later on and Farrah, you were the one that mentioned it when we learn that it was her designs and her weapons that were used against the own mandalorian people and that's what caused her to fled i mean when that moment came out i was sobbing you know i like the fact that in this episode it says that the mandalorian species are the ones who created the dark saber and i felt that it was cool you know that the mandalorians had uh, a jedi and that's a cool like origin story for the dark saber yeah <laughs> <laughs> What I liked about it was the way Kanan describing it was a little different than a lightsaber. Like, it had weight to it. You never had a lightsaber described as having weight. He always had a lightsaber described as a laser sword or a light sword. Kanan says it's like redirecting energy, you mm -hmm. know? And that's a different way of describing a lightsaber. They all, you know, Kanan also said another thing about the Force and how Disney is describing the Force a different way. How he mentions that the Force flows through everyone and Yoda says that. But the mm -hmm. way that it's changed is he says that you have to be open to the force to use it. And basically anybody can be open to the force and use it. And him saying that was wow. Boom. Yeah. You and I, we both, we come from the era of legends where that wasn't messed with that often. I think there was what the Setus Deception or one of the books around that time where Kit Fisto was talking to some clones and he taught them some basic exercises that were going to open them up. You know, that was that whole concept of, well, how much of the Metachlorians are needed and how much of it is an exercise that you can work your way up to? I mean, another case, an example in Legends is Kanan, or not Kanan, uh, uh, Kyle Cartan, who 
when he stopped using the force, I think it was like by the second game, you had to relearn how to use the force all over again because his abilities kind of shrank. You know, with the new like force stories, it's almost like Disney is making the force into magic like they, they used to do in their princess stories. You know, Madi says it's magic and hokey religions. Well, Disney's kind of switching it into magic. Before it was you ha- it was this certain type of person. You had to be born with it. You could become a Jedi or you could be Sith or whatever. Now it's just anyone. If you're open to it, you can anybody can touch this magic and use a lightsaber. Yeah, anyone can do anything with the Force now. Yeah, Kanan even mentioned that the more she opened herself up, the more it got lighter in her hands and the more she was one with it. I mean, all these things lead us to believe that there is more to it. I mean, when you think about it, like like you were saying, Barrett, Yoda mentions the fact that the Force is in the rock and in the ship. If the Force is in the ship, then the Force is in R2, which would mean that the droids should basically be in the Force as well. Every inanimate object should be in the Force. And that's always something that I loved that Legends played with, with the living Force and the unifying Force, so you could have that aspect of both. The droid would be present in the unifying Force, but you wouldn't feel it in the living force. All you would feel is the energy inside its wires. They had certain Jedi that could sense those type of things. So it makes me wonder if they're going to go in that direction at all, where each Jedi is going to have a specific way of seeing the force, or if they're going to make it more uniform where it's like, well, you know, everybody sees and feels it the same way. Just not everybody realizes that's what they're seeing or feeling. We have Kanan here who has in the past, has doubted himself as a teacher. Ezra himself has has talked mad crap, give Kanan mad sass while he's being trained. Now we have Kanan being questioned again by Sabine. You know, she flat out tells him, it's a wonder why Ezra knows anything being trained by you. And I could not help but feel bad for Kanan at that point because, like, this man is blind you know, he's really trying. He's like, he's the old blind master. I did feel bad for Kanan at that point. I don't know, person, he wasn't blind the whole time. Like when he was training Ezra, he wasn't blind. But it's like, now he's just at the lowest point he could be. And Sabine just like walks away with no regrets. I understand where Sabine's kind of mean from, but she just took it out so hard. She was all like, Ezra is really strong if he is where he is today because he had a teacher like you. Kanan has taught Ezra just so much. And yeah, there's ups and downs. Well, I just thought it was really cool the way that in a sense, this is Kanan's ability to continue Ezra's training because the best way to learn is to teach. When you think about it, you know, Obi-Wan, he was sent after General Grievous because he was a master at Form 1. It was like, you know, you, you are the best at it. You know, if you master the forms, almost nothing can stand against you. So for Ezra to be in that position, it also shows how far he has come. I also like how at the end of the episode, uh, or just at the end of the training lesson, Kanan stepped up and he... He just went through with it, and he actually taught her how to use it, and he didn't give up. That was that was a good moment. Yeah, it was like a growing moment for Kanan at that point. Like, he really did not doubt himself. With the help of Hera, who basically pushed him to push Sabine, you know, he, he got the job done. And he's turning in, into a really good Jedi Master. Would you, would you want to, you know, you wouldn't mind learning under him, would you, Padawan? <laughs> that's yeah that's like a, the most weird question you can ask. <laughs> yes i would love to be trained under Caden's wrath in a sense sabine is kind of the chosen one of the mandalorians yeah you could kind of almost sense the uh the feeling that Caden is worried about pushing her too far too fast 
I like too that Hera had mentioned the fact that you know she was hurt by her family and that she's already hurt. That you're not going to protect her from anything. In fact, you're actually hurting her. That was kind of a cool moment. And Hera was really low key in this, you know, but she was still the leader. What I really liked and what Filoni did and, and Kinberg and is that while they were having this conversation about Sabine was going to decide what she wanted to do. It kept showing back to Harrow, and it kept showing her expression, and her looking back, and her looking worried, and her thinking about things. And at the end, it was Hera that was the one that actually convinced Sabine to undergo the training. Because, And what was the reason? Because you can bring an army to our cause. I wonder if that decision is going to come back to haunt Hera when it comes back that people are dying, and that maybe Sabine, you know, we suggest that maybe Sabine's going to go by the end of the you know, next uh, season. It's going to be crazy. I, I just thought that that little piece of Hera making that decision that she's willing to sacrifice Sabine for the greater good. General Sindula coming back. Yeah, Hera's moments, every single one of them were deep. Words of wisdom. <laughs> Sabine started to get cocky once she got the van braces and she's using the little shield. She's using the whip. She's using the blast. She's using all these technological tools that her people had created to combat the Jedi for all intents and purposes, it pisses Kanan off. Yo, yo that was a great moment. Kanan just grabs the whip, slices it up, like kicks her back. Those <laughs> History lesson. The Jedi won the Mandalorian War. Hashtag burn. <laughs> he, 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 he like had the most serious face. And he was yelling like, he won't win every battle with this. You know, when yeah. Kanan takes off his mask and he shows you those soulless eyes, he means business. <laughs> <laughs> Kanan was just so angry about it and stuff that he, I feel like he kind of just took it a little bit too harsh on Sabine. It kind of pushed Sabine that much into the place where she was all like, I need to get this done. And it made her work harder and completed the goal. It basically. did succeed, yeah. And what's interesting too is for a lot of fans, they felt like this was another one of those references to Revan and to Kotor and the Battle of Malachor. Uh, in that battle, that was when the Mandalorian people were almost completely annihilated, and it was at the hands of Darth Revan. With them just actually having that reference, you don't even have to actually have that stuff be canon to understand the significance of it, because they always say there's some truth in Legends. Well, even in Legends, that battle was so massive, so terrible, that Revan wiped out, he triggered a mass shadow bomb and wiped out Malachor, wiping out part of his own forces, the Jedi forces, the Republic forces, the Sith forces, the uh, the Mandalorian. I mean, he wiped out everybody that was there just to to utilize the bomb and the attack. That's how desperate they were in that. And so if they're referencing anything similar to that, the way that Kanan expresses it, it delivers that, oh, my God, like, you know, you don't understand. You can't take technology for granted when you're dealing with the force or we're going to have travesty on a size you've never seen. And I mean, and when you look at it, that's what the Death Star is. It's it's this technological terror we've constructed to combat the force. They're introducing countermeasures to Jedi besides Sith. You know, it makes sense that other people in the galaxy would have to come up with ways to defeat the Jedi that don't have powers. And Mandalore came up with some efficient things. And I like the fact that she's going to keep these bracelets. Every time that Sabine gets trained more and more, she gets new gadgets and new equipment and stuff like that. Sabine says at the very end of the episode, she said she was going to spot out and find the new leader. She says that she wasn't going to be it. That's not what Finn Rao thinks. She's going to lead. And in fact, he kneels to her and says, I will follow you. And that means a lot because there's a lot of people who will follow him 
on Mandalore. She may end up leading. We'll see. And that's a great moment, too, because it wasn't just him. Like, you know, Ezra and Kanan, they both did. And, and they say, you know, this family will stand behind you no matter what. And that was a deep moment because, I mean, for her, the betrayal of of her own betrayal, you know, the fact that she designed the weapons and then they were used against her world, you know, her cultural people, her family, and then her actual family then turning her back, their backs on her. Like, it's that moment of just complete betrayal. And then to have Kanan say, you know, this family's going to be here for you no matter what. I mean, you know, like, there's definite foreshadowing here going forward into the next episode. And I, I think that they played these episodes well. I mean, we're not going to talk about the next one this week. We'll be talking about it next week. But the two played together so well that you could watch these two episodes back to back and get a lot of fulfillment out of it. I mean, it felt like a mini movie. It did. It really did. What the hell is the Bendu doing? Yeah, yeah, Sabine yeah. Sabine walks over. He gets tapped on and oh, just looks. And the first thing I'm thinking is, is she kicking the Bendu in the ass before, you know? And she was kicking him in the ass. He turns around, she was kicking him in the ass. What is the Bendu doing? Why is he creeping? I really want to see the Bendu come into play because, Ray, I see the balance. Like, every time I see that, I'm all like, what if the Bendu comes in? Like... It would just make me so happy if that happened. No, I'm thinking about it from the opposite direction of what's the significance of Sabine interacting with the Bendu. I mean, she is in this middle ground. She's not a Jedi. She's not quite a Force user. Yet her destiny is tied with the Force. There are traditions and stuff she's tied to. And yet there she is nonchalantly kicking Bendu in the butt. I mean... There's a connection, right? Filoni doesn't throw anything away. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird that the Bendu was just like chilling there, and he, he didn't he didn't do anything, say nothing. I expected him to pop out, say some wisdom quote, but no, he just laid back down. He noticed the the like you said, the significant part of that was up to this point, the Bendu has not made himself known or has not noticed anyone that was not force sensitive. He noticed Maul. He's noticed Kanan. He's noticed Ezra. That's it. That's all the people he's talked to. So for him to notice Sabine, who, as far as we know, is not force sensitive, means something. Think about, think about, okay, so outside of, of everything going on, Filoni just recently tweeted that behind the scenes stuff of Bindu with Ahsoka, where he knew she was a Jedi, a former Jedi Knight. So like, Dude, Bindu's, there's got to be a bigger connection. Maybe Taylor's on to something with episode eight here. That would be so cool. You have no idea how excited that would make me. I would literally be in the audience screaming if that happened. We went and watched Spider-Man. There was this dad right by the side and was screaming the entire time. I, he would be, he's my spirit animal, honestly. He, <laughs> he would be me. <laughs> so during the training... Kanan hit Sabine, and all of a sudden, in the corner, you see Ezra, and he covers his face. He's all, oh, and like, I, oh my god, I started laughing so hard. And then another part, Sabine was kind of flipping out on Kanan. My poor little daddy started crying. My defense. That's because <laughs> the music, the lows of that music, when Kanan makes her, and he gets her to break through her fears, when you hear the music there, that music gets to me. And and there, I don't know, there's something about the way, like, there's a desperateness to the way that the actress playing Sabine plays this the lines of this episode. Like when she's talking about what the empire took from her because of the choices she made and the choices her family made and where it forced her to be. I mean, 
I, there was just something about that vulnerability that just really resonated in my heart and just shattered it. I mean, I was just like I said, this is a moment I have been waiting for since since Baron's been waiting for a jetpack. I've been waiting for her to step out of her role, and I'm really kind of hoping like maybe she'll become a new Mandalorian knight or something because it just seems like there's so much more about her than meets the eye. And it was a like a father daughter moment, you know. Sabine's kind of like the daughter. And she's kind of rejecting the father, so that must hit you at home. Not that not that your Padawan rejects you at all, but, you know, it kind of, like, helping someone through something, you know. There's been a couple times where I've shed a tear with, with Ezra and Kanan. Harry's all like, I'm setting up supplies. Do you need anything else to Kanan? And Kanan's all like, no, I think I'm fine. And literally just reminded me of how my mom and my d- dad, like, my mom will be like, okay, I'm heading to the store. Do you need any gummies or anything? And he'll be like, eh. And then she'll just end up getting something. And it just, like, completely reminded me of my parents. And I was like, what if something happens there? Ooh, I'm glad you're getting that, that vibe because they've kind of walking the line they've been walking the fence with Kanan and Hera's relationship since the first episode since they've called each other hun you know you don't really see them you see them embrace but you don't ever see them like kissing or you know they don't stay in the same unit or anything but they're walking that fine line and you know I did get that vibe the mother father vibe from them I still maintain it's a work wife (laughs) (laughs) only because they said that there was no love. Like, like, I don't know. Maybe it's like when they were all like, Whoa, wait, so-and-so's not that MJ. You're like, Oh wait, that that's what you guys spilled. That, that was the big spoiler. That wasn't even a spoiler, you know? And and I think that that's kind of what happened is like, you know, people, they saw the term love. They, they read John Jackson, the Miller's book and it, it puts it out there. You almost wonder like, was that originally the plan? And then someone was like, you know, Maybe we don't need to be working with this interspecies relationships right now. Like, maybe America's not ready. Man, I I have to say, like, this one, it hit me. It impacted me. Anything I emotionally resonate with, uh, I always give it a high high bar. It always sits higher in my heart. I would say this one was a good 9.5. This one really delivered on the character level. Uh, I feel like this was something that's been building up. And, and as Hera put it, you're the only one that can do it. Uh, like Taylor said, you know, Sabine was kind of the chosen one for the Mandalorian people. And Kanan was the Obi-Wan to make sure that her training was ready. Uh, and I thought, I thought it delivered. I agree with you a lot on there, Mark. I thought this episode was really good. And it, and it, it was a Sabine episode. And it had, like, a lot of character development with Sabine. Like, you, you heard things you never seen before. And they, they bring up this dark saber, which is, like, you haven't seen it since a season ago and it's it's cool to to revisit these things like revisiting sabine's past and revisiting this idea of the dark saber and of of her learning it i thought it was a good episode between one and ten i give it like a a nine it's a good episode okay two nines that's not bad you know i'm gonna have to agree with with both of what you guys said a lot of character development on sabine but not just sabine even though it was a sabine centric episode we saw character development from kanan we saw character development from fen rao and we saw a lot of character development from ezra and he started off kind of being the old ezra but then he really did come through to teach and watch his master teach someone else like you said that's all about becoming a great teacher becoming a great student you learn first and then you teach you know you see one do one teach one we had some action but they always don't have to be chased around by the empire you know they always don't have to be chased around by by darth maul or or darth vader you know they they can grow without having to have life and death situations and i love these types of episodes so from a scale of one to ten 
I would definitely give this at least a nine as well. I I would agree with both. Well, yeah, kind of all three the of consensus, you. Consensus, yeah. Yeah, there was humor between Ezra and Sabine, which I liked a lot. You guys were saying and stuff. It was a very emotional. Some people got emotional, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I really liked this episode. I liked how it brought in some backstory of Sabine. And then showed a future for Ezra. So that about wraps up this episode of the Padawan's Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone who joined us today for coming in and giving us a listen. You can find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division Podcast at www.starwarsreport.com. Now, before we go, we wanted to mention to you our Audible trial. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars Report, you get a free trial run of audible.com to see what they're all about. Audible has more than 100,000 titles for you to explore. Titles from the expanding universe or other genres, all without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate. Because Audible members, they can exchange any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So for the Padawan's perspective, this has been Mark. Taylor. Pharaoh. And Barrett. So till next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. But we're sponsored by Audible? Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. you're actually doing it and then i was like oh i thought you were just gonna be like hey that was what the question or something was and then you're all like actually this is what <laughs> this is all professional like, oh okay it, well Barrett, it's actually in my show notes exactly as you worded it <laughs> yeah, we should have to share the show notes okay so uh padawans go ahead and talk about what is this what does the dark saber mean to you after watching this what do you, do you know the significance of just like he asked okay uh go ahead you can go first hey um I was said the Mandalorian. The uh, dark saber, like it, it means a lot to the Mandalorians. I was a tribe. Um, so yeah, it. Think about what you're saying. Obviously. Okay. It, you haven't even muted it, Doug. Oh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, go ahead. It's fine. Um, 